E.T. phone home. Howdy, partners. <laughs> <laughs> you always start with something like that. I love it. You're like, howdy, partners, or hi, Bobby. Hi, Ken. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. To educate me, Papa. <laughs> with your hosts, E.T. and Hale. Hell yeah. If you're an audio listener, I'm saying E.T. because we're probably going to start posting videos. Um, and this yeah, might be the second one. Yeah, we probably should have mentioned one. that in the last episode. Surprise, motherfuckers. Know, but... The last episode. <laughs> we can post You can see our it. faces now. <laughs> yes. Um, and it is the same day, so we were wearing the same clothes. But I'm getting a headache. Well, it's not happy about my headache. And for some reason, having my hood up like this is helping my headache. So I will be potato eating for a while. Love it. And also this hoodie's very comfortable. I'm going to text them and say, quiet on set. <laughs> you need a red light that says recording. I spelled set wrong. How did I spell set wrong? <laughs> oh my God. Didn't you, when you were here, didn't you ask me how to spell something? Oh, free. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys. Oh my god. Do you ever, like, look at a word for too long and convince yourself that it's not spelled correctly? Because I do that all the time. Or that it's not even a word? Yes, all the time. Yeah. So, um, like we kind of talked about in the beginning of last episode, we were packing Haley's sister's apartment and we were putting things out on the sidewalk for, or on the curb or whatever for free and Haley was making a sign. And all of a sudden, she just looks up at me. She's, like, crouched on the ground with a Sharpie, like, coloring in the word free. <laughs> and she just looks up at me and goes, is that how you spell free? And I <laughs> lost it. <laughs> the way you were crouching, like, you were, like, like half laying, half crouching on the floor. And the, you just, like, were, like, is that how you spell free? <laughs> it was great. And I was, like... Yeah, like it was as if you would... <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh my God. I forgot about that until this exact moment. Cause I was trying to make it like really, I wrote it in all caps and like bold, like bubble lettering. And I looked at it and I was like, did I spell free right? <laughs> I'm just thinking of how you could have spelled it wrong. That was a highlight of the weekend. And or, it wasn't even a weekend. It was a fucking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That was a highlight yeah. of the time here, of your time here. And then another one that really sticks out in my mind is obviously the fact that you, you guys, we all just kept going, she thinks my tractor's sexy. And that one <laughs> point when Madison looked at her pile of like, I keep wanting to call them Ziploc bags. They were um, not freeze dry. The vacuum, vacuum, vacuum sealed bags. Yeah, vacuum sealed bags of clothes and like out of the blue and we're all just doing stuff and she just looks over at it and goes she thinks my driver's sexy <laughs> and I <laughs> I love that my new I... vocal stem rubs off on everybody <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god and then the neighbors downstairs were playing music really loud and we had been talking about that definitely not loud enough for them to hear I over the music and then a song comes on and Haley goes, is this what I think it is? And we're like, no, it can't be. No way. And it was, she thinks my tractor's sexy. And it was just like, <laughs> Jesus. Was 
met us that day. the whole house. <laughs> it was. Kenny Chesney was watching over us. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit of Kenny Chesney. May the spirit of Kenny Chesney be with you. <laughs> and with you. <laughs> this sounds like a threat. He's like horrifying. <laughs> He is. Can we make a shirt that says that, though, where he kind of looks like Jesus? Yes. Like, what is... May, it's May Peace Be With You in the Catholic Church, but we're going to say May Kenny Chesney Be With You. <laughs> the power of Kenny Chesney compels you. Oh, my God. Also, friends, poppies, <laughs> when yes. Madison and I were driving back from Pennsylvania, um, we were singing... She thinks my tractor's sexy almost every single day, all day. Uh, and then Madison was like, we should make a screamo version of She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. And I looked it up. Yes. I was like, somebody has to have done it. And it exists. Oh my so, god. I forgot you sent that to me. I was like intrigued, but also extremely disturbed. <laughs> oh my gorgeous. god. <laughs> it was. I liked the person that was singing it too. Yeah, they were non-binary. I didn't expect that. I thought that With made it Chesney extra song. hardcore. Hell yeah. It, it, that, but that's what I love. Yeah. I love... And I also really like the idea of, like, pop goes punk or hick goes hardcore or whatever they call it. Like, just, like, changing the genre. And yeah. especially if it's a song I know, so I know all the lyrics and I'm like, um, what's that one pop goes... Oh, that's a, it's a pop goes punk version of toxic by britney spears mm -hmm. it's so good and i don't i just <laughs> i know all the words and i'm like i don't even know how to sing it i'm not even gonna try but anyways pop goes punk and it goes hardcore of, what's the uh the kids pop <coughs> cds <laughs> oh my fucking god why don't Shorty they make those low, anymore low, low. <laughs> they i think they still do They've got to be on, like, Kids Bop 493. No, they don't. You're lying. Are you sure? I'm not sure, but why would they still be making I, them? Because why wouldn't you take everything and rebrand it for children to make more money? Is Kids Bop... <laughs> First searches. Is Kids Bop getting sued by Nintendo? Oh. Weird. It's just a bunch of kids singing the Wii song. Were there for music videos? Knees. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, there was music videos. They're still making music, by the way. When was the most recent album? 2023. I I don't know how I knew that. It might have been because base, the Basement Yard was talking about Kids Bop recently, which is weird. That it came up here too, but... Did I tell you that I started listening to them? Basement Yard? I thought you meant Kids yeah. Pop, and I was like, what? Oh, no, not Kids what? Pop. <laughs> Sam, I found this really cool band. Can I show it to you? <laughs> they call themselves Kids Bop, and they all sound super young. <laughs> but no, did you did. Do you like them? Yeah, I do. I can't listen to them so for like funny? a super long time because listening to men debate for too long makes me freak out a little bit, but they're really funny mm -hmm. and I enjoy them. And Yeah, and I think like them versus last podcast on the left is the fact that there's two of them instead of three mm -hmm. and 
the fact that they're not like talking about like super serious things and when they do debate yeah. it's like really really stupid things and it's always over food i love <laughs> yes food is a big one when did you did you start all the way at the beginning no okay good uh, i because think the first it... one i listened to was who has more riz <laughs> Yes, yes. Listen, the ones that where it says basement yard and it looks like a set of stairs and it's all white and it's got Joe and Frank. Those are the really good ones. Before that, it was Joe's podcast and he brought different people on. But when Frank uh -huh. became a staple in it, it got really good because Joe and Frank have been best friends for years. And like Joe is he's super funny, too, but he's a little bit more like serious and like. I don't know. I feel like Frankie doesn't take himself as serious and he does some really funny shit. And then when they debate, he's like, it's frogs and toads, Joe. Frogs and toads. <laughs> <laughs> They're very much, they have the same relationship that like Schmidt and Nick do in New Girl. Yes. Yes. For sure. It kind of reminds me of you and me a little bit. Although we mm -hmm. don't, we'll debate more where you're like, I'll say something and you're like, do you want to fight? And I'm like, yeah, I want to <laughs> fight. Do you want to fight? But it's kind of like with me and Chloe where we've known each other our whole lives literally. So we can just go like keep making deep cuts over and over. But it's so funny. There's mm -hmm. one episode. I think it's a Patreon episode. So we'll have to listen to it when we're together where they play a game. And basically you get like a category and it's got a little board with the alphabet on it. And when you, it's your turn, you have to say something in that category that starts with that. And one of them they did was like things that their family members have yelled at them. And you'll oh, hear jokes. Oh, I saw the clip of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. I listened to that episode three fucking times and laughed just as hard each time at how fucking funny it was. Like, yeah. I don't, I just, I like the, like, they're kind of, they're, Ladies and Tangents, similar, but they mm -hmm. are a little bit more, like, off-the-handle, goofy, silly, and they do stick to a topic, but I also like that they're both very liberal. Yeah, I, they're not, like, in your face about what they believe in, but they make it very clear, like, subtly, which mm -hmm. I enjoy. I, and sometimes Joe will say something, and Frank will be like, are you hating on the gay community? And, like like razzing the fuck out of him and it's so funny because he doesn't think <laughs> that way but it's really like yeah. frankie's trying to be like don't be a homophobe which he's which joe is not but anyways i just i love those two i wish i could be friends with them papa pee pee yes papa poopo what are you educating us on today that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. For listening. I, for listening. <laughs> um, I am going to be lazy today and read some Ranker articles, some spooky Ranker uh, articles. Um, I'm ready. Sam and I were just talking, though, and we're, like, passionate again. I mean, not that we weren't ever, but just, like, we're ready to research um, more things for this because mm -hmm. our lives went a little crazy there for a minute. So we kind of like yes. did more filler stuff, but we're going to go back to really getting into stuff. <laughs> yes. 
Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. All right, so I have three. Um, do you want to hear unresolved? Did I say what I was doing? I don't remember. <laughs> you <laughs> literally just said you were a little lazy and you were going to read Ranker articles. <laughs> Oops. Um, I'm okay, read you can Ranker see articles. Copies. Both of our memories are shit because I said, oh, I want to tell you on the podcast. <laughs> Haley doesn't remember what I said and I don't remember what I said. And she doesn't remember what she said. I literally in the last episode just said your brain was a little goldfishy sometimes. And that was like the prime example. Yep. yep. Which is not an insult. And I, I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. But I just pictured you as that little. I know it's true. Remember that. But my memory can remember this. Remember that Snapchat you sent me that has the filter of the goldfish in the toilet? And you were like, hey, kids, want to buy some drugs? Yeah. That's what I picture you as when you have those moments. That's where I go. Yes. <laughs> to the toilet to sell drugs. So I'm reading some spooky ranker articles. Um, mm -hmm. And I have three picked out. I'm going to let you pick the first one. Okay. So first one would be unresolved mysteries that make us a little uncomfortable. Second would be mysteries from history that we can't stop thinking about. And this teen terrorized a family while living in the walls of their house. Okay, so I want to do teens first, then unresolved mysteries, and then history mysteries. So we can go crazy one, one that sounds spooky crazy, and then one that sounds more like funny spooky. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Because yes. this one's like the teen living <clears throat> in the walls is like one big story. It's not. And the other ones are like short little uh, paragraphs. Okay. So this, that's a good, good way to do it. Thank you. Okay. okay. Also, speaking of living in walls, Madison and I were talking about this uh, short, uh, short film we saw on Netflix a couple years ago. We think it was called The Nest or something. And it, it was like a half an hour long. And it it like shows you how this woman finds out that, that there's like an old woman living in her walls. And the last clip of the movie is this old haggard looking woman sitting in a chair in the tenant's child's bedroom holding her child and saying and whispering please 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 and then it ends scariest thing i've ever seen i'm getting no, chills thinking I, I, about it if you guys want a good visual i've been sitting here shaking my head since she said old haggard woman yes in a chair because i could just any for some reason too when people are sitting it's yeah. like more creepy I think it's because Just, I like, watched too many jump scare videos when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that reminds me yep. of... Now, this is a story I've heard, and I don't know if it started with a creepypasta, but it was about someone who was staying in a hotel for a while for business or something, and they kept smelling smoke. And the person... Mm -hmm. Someone snuck into the hotel, or stayed in the hotel before that, and didn't have anywhere else to go, and when they did construction on the hotel previously, they hung the mirror but left a hole behind it and the person was living in the wall of... Yeah. That's my nightmare. I don't think it... 
I don't think it's a creepy pasta, but I don't remember where I heard it. That's so it scary. might have been like a dateline or like a some sort of show with that. So I don't think that would be creepy pasta, but no. Anything and so that you just told me about the old woman in the chair. Remember that book I lent you, Home Before Dark? Yes, I need to actually I started reading it. I still have it. <laughs> you are going to love it, dude. I feel like you need to sit down and like really just try to read it because you'll hit a certain point where you're going to be absolutely hooked. It is one of my favorite books of all time. It's called Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Riley Sager is an amazing author. I need to read more of their work. I, be I don't remember if... I think it's a pen name. I don't remember the pronouns. So I'm just going to say there. But that book is so fucking good. Like one of my favorite books I've ever read. The plot mm -hmm. twists, the detail. I It was a movie in my head. They need to make it a real movie. Yeah, I want to start reading again. I remember when I used to read like a book a week. And now I just barely read because I don't have the attention span. But I want to like slow down and like actually just hang out and read a book. Yes. I think that would be good. See, but... I have the attention span when the book pulls me in. I just need to yeah. say, okay, if I have time to play... A stupid game on my phone every time I want to take a break from doing something else I can read a book yeah definitely yeah. you ready to hear about this person living in the walls this teenager a teenager living in walls you know what I have something to say teenagers scare the living shit out of me I thought you were gonna say she thinks my directors <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to think that so I'm glad that it worked <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. Lego. So, in the winter of 1986, a teenage boy named Daniel LaPlante terrorized a family in a small Massachusetts town. Why does that name sound familiar? You've probably heard a podcast about him. That's how I'll... Okay. Yeah. Um, the Bowens experienced seemingly ghost-like activi activity... For days oh, before LaPlante, who had been hiding in their walls for weeks, confronted them in their home. So, the audacity. Yeah, just wait. Why this are you confronting me? Okay. In December of 1986, Tina Bowen and her sister Karen began noticing strange occurrences in their Pepperell, Massachusetts home. They would often return home from school to find furniture moved, food missing, and the TV turned on. Sometimes <gasps> Tina, Tina would leave her room and return to discover items moved or vanished completely. No, no. Tina and her sister no. began wondering if their house was haunted, and some sources claim they held a seance to contact their deceased mother, though this has not been confirmed. So Tina and her sister expressed their concerns to their father, but he assumed his daughter's imaginations were running wild. And they were making things up as fathers. Of course. Do. As fathers well, do as for teenage do. girls. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Parents for sure, not just fathers. Although the Bowen home wasn't haunted, it was occupied by an unwelcome guest. On December 8th, 1986, the Bowens, along with a, fr a friend of Tina and Karen, came face to face with a terrifying home intruder. Daniel LaPlante had been hiding in the walls of the Bowens' large colonial-style home for days and was responsible for the moved and missing items. 
What the fuck? The 16-year-old LaPlante emerged from his still unknown hiding spot wearing face paint and spiked hair and wielding both a wrench and a hatchet that the father kept in his bedroom for protection. And as soon as he did this, um, Daniel started giving the family orders. He forced the Bowens and their friend, the two girls and their friend, to move into the bedroom and told them, told them to stay put. Once he left, Tina climbed out the window and ran to the neighbor's house to call 911. Go when Tina. the police arrived at the, I know. When the police arrived at the home, they found no sign of uh, Laplante and assumed that he had fled. So it turns out that Tina had actually previously met Daniel, but didn't recognize him until um, that night. So I also um, wanted to say before I forget, I think it's really creepy when stuff like that happens and people think they're haunted. But it turns out to be someone in the home because then yeah. I'm like, what if everyone who had a haunting experience where it was something that was be like being moved or like cupboards being left over, left over, left open, actually just had like an intruder or someone hiding? Again, I would rather be haunted. Yeah, Not that I'm there's an to be episode. Haunted. There's an episode of Supernatural where they go to this house that they think is haunted, and they find out that it's just like a a feral little girl like living in the basement like trying to kill everybody in the house and it's like one of the it's scariest funny, things but... i've ever seen <laughs> just to, like i've only ever heard of animals being called feral so when you were like a feral child i was like what oh no i'm sorry i said that tina recognized um daniel the night that this happened but she didn't recognize him at first okay but she had met him previously and we'll... yeah so um the two girls described him as being in his as being in his twenties and standing over six feet tall, although he was actually sixteen and only stood at about five foot eight. Basically just the investigators believed what you just said that the shock made them not really remember correctly yeah. what they had seen, you know. So the father returned home, um, on December 10th to retrieve some of his family's personal items. As he drove up to the home, he could see Daniel staring out a bedroom window of his home. Oh my fucking this God. This is a real Holy story. Shit, dude. That Jesus. Is... Oh my God. Yeah. So Frank, the father immediately contacted police and the police were initially skeptical that someone was hiding in the Bowens home. However, that changed when an officer entered the house. He later stated, quote, When I opened the door on the right-hand wall, I saw a knife sticking out of the wall, and I see it's through a picture, a family picture, written on it in magic marker, in all caps, I'm still here, come find me. <sighs> what horror movie fantasy was this motherfucker trying to live out? And also, right. were these daughters teenagers at the time? I think one of them was, like, a preteen, like, teenager, and the other was younger. Um, so why was the... Why did it say the dad was returning home for some family items? Like, where was he? It sounded like he was returning home and then leaving again. So I've heard this story before, and from what I remember, he was... Um, 
he was out at work. And it, remember, it's 1989, I believe, so they were probably latchkey kids. So they were right. home alone when this happened on the 8th. And then it just, like, flashes forward to the 10th. Okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Sense. So I think he was mm-hmm. probably at work. But along with the note, that note, he uh, left another one that said, I'm going to kill you all. Police eventually found him hiding in a small triangular wall cavity in the bathroom containing plumbing. Officers noted that he didn't seem fearful of them, but they quickly took him into custody. Daniel LaPlante was born in 1970, and he grew up in a home at 22 Elm Street in Townsend, Massachusetts. He reported enduring multiple forms of abuse from his father and having difficulty making making friends at school. When he was sent to a psychiatrist for treatment, the psychiatrist also reportedly abused the young boy. So he eventually turned to petty theft, but much of his juvenile criminal record remains unknown. He did apparently enjoy breaking into houses, which culminated in the events at the Bowen's house. Okay. And apparently his peers referred to him as creepy and weird. I mean, it sucks that he endured that, but also, I don't know, it feels weird to me that, like, he went to counselors and they also abused him. Yeah. Like, I'm not... I don't know. ...denying it or, like, like saying he's lying, but I can believe that the dad abused him and maybe one of the counselors, but if he saw multiple, all of them did... That's yeah. just a little, yeah. Some people like this, like, make up stuff, so mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. All right, I'm just going to, I'm just, I know the story, so this is all, it's all, like, kind of jumbled. Okay, so after this event, he was detained, and after his release on December 1st, 1987, Andrew Gustafson came home to find his pregnant wife and two young children murdered. (gasps) Um, Priscilla, which is a beautiful name in my opinion. It is. um, She had been sexually assaulted and shot twice. And (gasps) the two children had been drowned in um, the home's upstairs and downstairs bathtubs. Oh my god, I have chills all over my body. Why the fuck did they release him a year later? I have no idea. Just because he was a juvenile? I don't care. I think that makes it worse in a way. Like, he's already this fucked up. It's just going to continue. And there's... Like I said, I know this story. So, from what I remember, when he was living in the Bowens' family's... uh, Their walls, he would, like... When he showed up, like, wielding the machete and shit, he was was wearing uh, the dead wife's wedding dress holy fucking shit with the face makeup he needs i'm he needed to be institutionalized yes most definitely not necessarily prison because obviously he's got some mental health stuff but he needed to not be in the public so police quickly suspected daniel who was recently released from juvenile detention because they found evidence um, of the crimes at Daniel's home. So, in 1988, Daniel was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences for the murders the murders of Priscilla, Abigail, and William. 
at Daniel's sentencing, Judge Robert A. Barton told him, quote, there are some who would say that you should receive the same sentence that you imposed on the Gustafson, that's such a hard, <laughs> Gustafson family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is death by ligature or hanging. The judge noted that since there was no death penalty in Massachusetts, the life sentences were the harshest punishment he could impose. So. Some would say that he should have been locked up previously so he couldn't murder someone. And when is mm -hmm. the justice system going to learn that people like that, or Rodney Alcala, or whoever else, aren't going to change and are probably just going to continue or get worse? Exactly. And it seems like he I was only um, he was only incarcerated for like a year. So. Wow. How wow. lovely. Fuck that So that's, guy. that's uh, that article. <laughs> oh my god. Mysteries from the history unsolved. or unresolved? Unresolved. Okay. Unresolved, yes. So... Unsolved, like, disappearances are something that I love to, like, read into, and this is one that I've considered doing an episode on, but there's, like, that, there's, like, not that much information on it, but, mm -hmm. um, so in 2006, Brian Schaefer was a 27-year-old medical student at Ohio State University. In the early morning hours of Saturday, April 1st, he walked into the Ugly Tuna Saluna with his roommate, Clint, <laughs> to celebrate... <laughs> That's my therapist's name. Clint? Yes. That's a fun name. So, um, Brian and Clint were at the Ugly Tuna Saluna to <laughs> celebrate the beginning of spring, spring break. Um, he was scheduled to take a trip to Miami with his girlfriend, Alexis, the following Monday. And around 2 a.m. on April 1st, CCTV footage showed Brian talking to two young women just outside the bar, then re-entering the bar. When the establishment closed, Clint tried calling Brian, but with no luck, so he headed home without him. Brian wasn't seen or heard from all weekend. When he missed his flight to, Mi to Miami, a missing persons report was filed. The investigation found that the cameras did not capture Brian leaving the the saluna, the tuna saluna. Um, Clint refused to take a lie detector test, and the two women uh, Brian had been seen talking to were never asked to take one. Brian's girlfriend tried calling his phone every day, but it went straight to voicemail. One day, it rang three times and then hung up, which could have been a glitch, according to the phone company, or possibly a clue. The phone pinged at a location 14 miles outside of Columbus, but the exact location could not be tracked. Authorities, friends, and family are stumped by the disappearance. No foul play was indicated, and Schaefer didn't seem to be running away from anything, and neither his phone or credit cards were ever used. Um, and I guess in uh, 2020, there was false hope that a homeless American living in Mexico might be him, but it was ruled out. Brian's younger brother, his only surviving family, still hopes for a break in the case, but he hasn't, he's never been found. When was and that? And that was the, that was the only entrance and exit to the place. Um, okay. And this was in 2006. 
How how old was he? Twenty-seven. And his parents are already deceased. Um, I'm sorry. That I know that's a weird point to think of, but like the only if his brother's the only living that was family a, member that was a left. Quote from <clears throat> that was from 2020. Like he disappeared in right, 2006, so... and then his brother said in 2020 after the false hope about the American living in Mexico that he hoped there'd be a break in the case. 14 years. So he'd only be 42. I mean, I guess, it, I I don't know. I just, I don't know why I clung to that for some reason. It's, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But like, anyways, um, if his friend refused to take a lie detector test, that's fucking sketchy. Especially because in a lot of states, they're not admissible in court. Police yeah. just use it as a tactic to try to find more leads and such. So that's really fucking sketchy. And the fact that he just disappeared out of nowhere. Hmm. My two thoughts would yeah. be, of course, and how do you not suspect foul play? I, that doesn't make you like if he was running away from something, maybe he had cash on hand. So that's possible, but I would suspect foul play or like a mental health episode. Yeah. But how would he have left the bar? You know, I don't know. There's, I don't that's weird there was only one entrance and exit i don't think that that's like it was 2006 so who knows but like i don't think fire codes allow that i think there has to be at least two yeah so maybe a window or something maybe i'll look or, more into it or he did leave and the camera just didn't catch him maybe that's weird i think i've heard that name before too yeah <clears throat> excuse me but that's weird so, let's go on to the next one. His study, Miss study. So, Wait for me. <laughs> you and your fucking feet. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> so, the title of this one is Five Men Went Fishing and Disappeared. Then, 10 years and 2,000 miles later, their boat was found. On February 11th, 1979, five young men planned a day-long fishing trip on the Sahara Joe, a 17-foot motorboat, out of Hannah Bay in Maui. I'm not going to try to pronounce this guy's last name, but his first name's Ralph. Borrowed the boat from his twin brother, Robert, and took off with four co-workers, Scott, Benjamin, Patrick, and Peter. The boat, only a few years old, was named after the brothers' parents. By afternoon, a storm rolled in, and the Coast Guard was notified of a small boat with five men that had yet to return. Locals went searching for the men later that night, some getting caught in 40-foot waves. <gasps> the Coast Guard ended the search after five days of no results, but locals continued their efforts for weeks. After, or almost a, dec a decade later, the boat was discovered about 2,200 miles away from Hawaii. John Naughton, a National Marines Fisheries Service researcher who had been working near Maui at the time of the initial search, was conducting research on the Marshall Islands when he came across an abandoned boat with Hawaii registration. It turned out to be the missing vessel. Scott's body was found in a shallow grave with a makeshift cross marking the spot. 
On top of his body were loose pieces of paper and aluminum foil. No clues or hints as to the whereabouts of the remaining men were ever found. And Scott was just one of the friends, right? Yes. It was definitely they a lost found one. type of thing. Yeah. Where I really... I, but where are they? I guess that they probably... Um, like, the, because of the storm, something happened to the boat. Maybe some of them fell off and there was only a couple left. Scott died. His friend made him a knife, a knife grave, a nice grave, <laughs> then wandered off and probably, I would assume, died, got eaten, assimilated yeah. in some sort of family of wolves. Um, my first thought was Robert did it because it's the twin brother and he didn't get invited <laughs> on the trip. Um, but with the storm and the grave that it's, it sounds more like it was probably like natural. Yeah. Have a long legs. I don't know. Okay. So you might know a little bit about this, but the wife of the leader of the church of Scientology has not been seen in public since 2007. I think I've briefly heard it, but I don't know any details, but I'm intrigued. So it's a very short little paragraph, but in 2007, the Great Recession began, the first iPhone was announced, and the final Harry Potter book was published. It was also the last year Shelley Miscavige was seen in public. Shelley is married to David Miscavige. Miscavige or Miscavige? Miscavige with a V. Miscavige. Okay, I heard, the first time you said it, I heard Miscavige, and I was like, they have a they have a pageant for cap like called the miss cabbage pageant i was like yeah scientology's weird my dude <laughs> um so shelly is married to david miscavige the leader of the church of scientology um the last time she was seen in public was august 2007 at her father's funeral and according to former scientology members such as the actress leah Rem- is it Ramini or Remini? Reminini you know or something like that. Remini. Yes, I have. I've watched a little bit of her, um, like leaving Scientology show. Yeah, um, but according to her, David is purposefully keeping his wife out of the public eye. Um, according to one former church official, Shelley said David was losing it shortly before she disappeared from public view. And in 2013, Leah filed a missing persons report, but the Los Angeles Police Department dismissed it, because of course they did, because they suck. (laughs) Of course, Um, because religion rules everything, and money. Exactly. Um, But also, of course, she was losing her mind a little bit, because her father just died. So you'd probably be emotional, too. No, Shelly Shelley said that David was losing it because he's fucking oh, psycho. Oh, I'm sorry. You broke up a little bit before that, so oh. I heard it the opposite way. Um, so, of course, the, the Church of Scientology disputes all allegations that Shelly was being held against her will and did not provide any information on her whereabouts. Of course not. Want to hear my hypothesis? Yeah. Shelly, Shelly's dad had some money when he died. She inherited it. They have 
joint bank accounts or he controls all the finances. He fucking offed her and buried her in the desert somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, because I don't know. I, this is a huge speculation and like generalization, but I just have a feeling that men like that don't actually give a fuck about like their relationships. They just do what they want. And he wasn't in it to marry her because he loved her. He was in it. She was probably beautiful, so he needed arm candy. And you're supposed to have a wife and all this shit. And then she got some money and he said, okay, I got your money. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like maybe she was, like, about to leave Scientology. And was, like, trying to leave. And didn't he didn't want her to, like speak out about it because she probably knew a shit ton of stuff so right especially if he was she's the either leader. yeah she's either being like held somewhere or she's dead yeah i hope she's being held somewhere so she has the possibility of being okay eventually yeah but it's been since 2007 so who knows Quite some time yeah yeah This next one is titled, Eight People Were Slain in Bed in Visala. Is that in Iowa? I-A? I think it's Iowa. Yes, Iowa. And no suspect was ever convicted. So. Holy shit. On June 9th, 1912, Joe Moore and his wife Sarah brought their children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, to perform at their church for Children's Sunday in Visala. Accompanying them and staying the night at the Moore home were the children's friends, Lena and Ina. The children ranged from five to the age of five to twelve. After what the performance when the, names. I know. Sorry. Um, it's like it's no, we're lagging good. a little bit, so it sounded like you paused. You're good. Um after the performance, when the family and their visitors were asleep for the night, a suspect or suspects entered the home, grabbed an axe, and murdered all eight individuals. A concerned neighbor called Josiah's brother the next day, who called the local sheriff, and a gruesome scene was found. Every single person was slain in their bed, covered with sheets. The axe was left partially clean and leaning, leaning against a door. Also left behind were an uneaten plate of food, a glass of blood-tinged water, and a slab of bacon on the floor. Ew. I know. So weird. And also, what a waste um, of bacon. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the killer had rummaged through dressers to find pieces of clothing to cover all the mirrors and windows in the house. The Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly soon caught the eye of the authorities. He had been visiting what the, the church. What kind of Vice... name is that? It's a 1912 kind of name. <laughs> Lynn Jordan Jacqueline Kelly John Jacob Paul. Schmidt. <laughs> yes. I was I was trying to think of all the Duggars' names, but I couldn't do it. I have no idea. Jana, Jodana. Jodana is that a real name? <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them is Jodana. Oh, boy. While you continue to read, I'm going to look up all of the Duggars' names so I can read them to you when you're done. Okay. 
So this reverend soon caught the eye of the authorities. He had been visiting the church in Visalia and caught a train out of town at dawn just before the bodies were discovered. He reportedly told passengers on that train that people had been butchered back in Visalia. But this was hours before the scene had been discovered. George returned to town a week later, posing as a, posing as a Scotland Yard detective and, quote, touring the Moore home. He confessed to the slayings, but later recanted during a trial. And the trial resulted in a, in a hung jury, and a second jury acquitted him. And no other suspect was ever identified or apprehended. So, Because he was the fucking killer. Yep. Oh my god. Fucking 1912. I would have not wanted to be alive back then. There was a war. Me neither, man. There, there was a slaying in Iowa. That's insane. That's stupid. It is. Did you find their names? <clears throat> I did. Are you ready for this? I don't think you are. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Jill. Oh, okay. Here we go. So the parents' names are Michelle and Jim Bob, which Jim Bob is just... No, we, I can't. It's precious. So. Jill, Joanna, Jessa, Ginger with a J, Josh, Jana, Joseph, Josiah, John David, Justin, Jeremiah, Jason, James, Jackson, Jennifer, Johanna, and Jedediah. Oh, yeah, Jedediah. And the kid, there's kids of the kids, and they kept on with the Js, and the little ones' names are <coughs> Josie and Jordan Grace. Oh, yeah, that's right. The first one that had kids was Josh, and he did Mackenzie, Michael Marcus, and Meredith. Jessa and Ben did Spurgeon Elliot and Henry Wilberforce. Spurgeon? Yes. As a first name? Yes, and then That's Henry's horrible. middle name is Wilberforce. I'll, I might do an episode on the Duggars at some point because it's insane. Do you know any of the stuff that happened? I don't know anything about it. The oldest brother's not a good guy. We'll just put it that way. But thank you for letting me interject that Duggar information. Because I used to watch that show because it was interesting. But I'm going to find a different I'm still doing to end on. Okay. I was going to say, are you still doing history mystery? History mystery? Her study, my study, which is from Ladies and Tangents. So credit to them. So the, the title of this article is 15 Funny Obituaries That Prove You Can Still Be Funny After Death. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to love this so much because I feel like how else are you supposed to process it, you know? All right. So the first one is Scott E. Ensminger, who loved the Cleveland Browns. And his just says he respectfully requests six Cleveland Browns pallbearers so the Browns can let him down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> can you send me this article? Because I want to read that to my yeah. dad. My dad would yep. fucking love that. Um, and my uncle's a uh, Browns fan, so I might read it to him too. Yeah, remind me. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, we're not going to remember any of this. We're not. <laughs> no. All right, so this next obituary is for Raymond Allen, quote, Big Al Brownlee, who hated reality TV. And it says, he despised canned cranberry sauce, wearing shorts, cigarette butts in his driveway, oatmeal, 
loudmouth know-it-alls, Tabasco sauce, reality TV shows, and anything to do with the Kardashians. I also don't like the cranberry sauce. I don't want cigarette butts in my driveway. I am not a fan of oatmeal. And, and I can pass on the Kardashians, so I enjoy shorts. Um, I don't like a loudmouth know-it-all either. Unless, do you think I'm a loudmouth know-it-all? No. Are you sure? I don't. Would you tell me if you thought I was? If I thought you were a loudmouth know-it-all, I would not speak to you every day. So. Okay. That's good. Okay, so the next one's for Val Patterson, who had a lot to confess. And he said, Now that I have gone to my reward, I have confessions and things I, I should say, I should now say. As it turns out, I am the guy who took the safe from the Motor View drive-in back in June 1971. I could have left that unsaid, but I wanted to get it off my chest. Also, I really am not a PhD. What happened was that the day I went to pay off my college student loan at the U of U, the girl working there put my receipt into the wrong stack. And two weeks later, a PhD diploma came in the mail. I didn't even graduate. <gasps> I only had about three years of college credit. In fact, I never did, did even learn what the letter, letters PhD even stood for. <laughs> Damn, that's how I'm going to write my obituary. <laughs> Oh my god. Just confess I can't all feel my like you are a PhD secrets. because the college gave you the diploma. Exactly. So you, you have the credentials. What does PhD stand for? Pretty huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was not <laughs> expecting anything like that to come out of your mouth, dude. Oh my god. I know what it stands for, but my brain isn't working. That doesn't make sense. PhD stands for Doctor of Philosophy. I like Pretty Huge Dick better. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense because PH is what philosophy starts with, so it's like philosophy doctorate. I hate that it's PhD and it's Doctor of philo Philosophy. Like what? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I remembered what I was going to tell you. Okay. So, Chloe had a Nintendo Switch Lite and then last year for Christmas, um, their ex and I bought them, went together and bought them like a regular Nintendo Switch, like a full-size one. So we decided to sell the... Um, the Switch Lite on Facebook Marketplace, and I finally did. And basically the conversation was a little weird with the guy, but he seemed real. So he um, offered us lower than what we wanted. I met him in the middle. And then I was like, I would, it would be nice if I could send you my PayPal. We can do a refundable transaction, and then that way it's like a deposit, and you get the money back if anything happens, mm -hmm. just to make sure you show up. And he basically was like, sorry, I don't send money to people I don't know. You'll just have to trust that I meet, I'll meet you there or I can, like, go buy it from somewhere else. And I don't think he meant it rudely. He was just like, I'm not going to send you money. I said, totally understandable. Um, you know, meet, meet us at this um, gas station tomorrow at 6.30. So I was already worried because it was a man. And also because of how he kind of came off a little rude. 
And then I asked him what kind of car he would be driving, and he told me, and it was like a big GMC truck, and I was like, oh my god. Of course. So I'm expecting like an older do an older guy to step out and like be all grizzly. But he steps yeah. out of the car and when I see him open his door, I step out. So I didn't actually see him walk around the truck. But he comes walking around the truck. Probably mid-30s. A solid, solid 5'6". <laughs> and my brain just kept going, Short King! Short King! <laughs> so, and he was, he was like, hi, darling. Like, really, really a very nice person. Like, not uh-huh. at all. Like... That's why I was trying to, like, think that, like, he wasn't trying to be rude in his messages. But there was just something that made me so happy about the fact that I thought he was going to be rude. And then he came out of the car and he was so nice. But I was also so much taller than him. And it went so well. He was very excited. He was buying it for his daughter's 10th birthday. Like, it was a really... It went really well. And whatever. But I just got in the car and said, Chloe, it was a short king. (laughs) (laughs) And it just really, I don't know, I didn't feel as, like, nervous about it when I realized how tall he was. <laughs> I love but honestly, that. He, was, he was very, very nice. And <sighs> So he truly was, was I don't a know. short king. Yes. Sorry about my yes, feet. Yes, he was. You've seen, we've seen him so many times at this, at this point, so, but yes, short king. <laughs> oh my god. I kind of gave up on those obituaries that weren't giving what I wanted. That's okay. Um, are you looking for more? Or are you ready to begin? I was looking for like a good one to close out on. Celebrities. Hold on. That Cleveland Browns one was gold. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we research. I wish I had more prepared. I also feel drained from that last episode because I ended it by crying. (laughs) I completely understand. (sighs) I don't know. (laughs) It's okay. We can, you can end it on that obituary one. I thought that was a good one. The Cleveland Browns one was funny. And then that last one um, about the guy who didn't like the and like wearing shorts and loudmouth yes. know-it-alls. Yes, and um, the Kardashians. Alright, well, this was a very uh, chill episode, I feel. Yes, I liked it a lot. I feel like it was a good way to ease back into things. Yeah. And like yeah, I said, so. we're gonna... I'm gonna start research. I have a bunch of stuff, like, half-researched. Like I was telling Sam yeah. earlier. Um... That it's going to be very interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing some chill episodes, though, because sometimes it does get heavy for both us and the listeners. And if they're looking for something heavier, there's plenty of other podcasts that we totally, like, are like, hey, go listen to, like, Morbid or And That's Why We Drink or um, Last Podcast on the Left where they, like, deep dive on these topics or Ladies and Tangents or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it because that's how I felt since basically the beginning because you're such a good deep diver. It's like it's like you can hold your breath for a really long time and I'm <laughs> just over here going, 
so I totally understand, but I thought this was really fun. I enjoy these, and they were still, like, creepy mystery, but a little bit more, like, lighthearted in a way, so. Other than, yeah. like, the mare dare. The mare dare. Mare dare. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but, again, we are, or again, we haven't said this, but, as always, we're always open for topic ideas, um, we'd love to do like listener stories and things, literally anything, funny stuff, scary stuff, scandalous stuff, um, honestly, almost anything. So send us some things. We'd love to talk to you guys. Um, like Haley said in the last episode, we're always here, whether we can actually do something to help or direct you somewhere to help with almost anything, you know, I, there's limits, but <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I know there's been, we've had a couple people reach out and like give us topic ideas that we haven't really covered yet, but please know that when you, when you do reach out and give us an idea, like it goes on both of our lists, like we're going to cover yes. them at some point. It just, it's just a matter of like, what do we latch onto when we go into research something? Like we have to be like hooked into it. Exactly. And it just depends on the time. So it'll get there yes. eventually. So yes. stick with us. And I us. do believe <laughs> um, I got a message and then my friend Tori, I shouted her out one time on your nostalgia episode. No. I don't remember which one I shouted her out on, but she messaged me about nostalgia and then also messaged the podcast. Um, we'd love to hear mm -hmm. more about your nostalgic things so we can do some more about that because I feel like nostalgia is such a wide topic there's no reason why we can't touch on it more than once um so definitely just just talk to us guys we like you a lot and we hope that you yeah, like us nice. too <laughs> um where you can they right, reach out to us Whatever. Haley? uh you can find us on instagram at educate me papa you can find us on facebook at educate me papa dash the podcast you can email us at educate me papa at gmail.com and you can text samantha wassman at <laughs> don't you give out my fucking phone number you hoe <laughs> um, at 867 5309 yes exactly yes um and with that and make sure to call me jenny or i won't respond yes preferably yes, yes. um yeah as we do every week, we want to thank you for listening. 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 You're a listener. You got ears. I like those ears when they listen to me. Listen, listen. Thanks. Okay, friends. See you next time. See you next week. We love you so much. We do love you so much. Bye.